love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura. And Haley, I am in the thick of marathon training and Mondays have been kind of alternating. I can't always count on a rest day on Monday, but some days I can. And this was one week I had a, a rest day lined up on Monday and I was so excited. And then I was like, Psh, you know what? This rest day would be really good to be used to knock out something off my to-do list is checking my inside tracker, uh, like appointment off my to-do list. And so I still got up early this morning because I was doing my blood work fasted. And so I'm like starving in the morning. So I always snag the first appointment and I had to drive a little ways to get to where I could go. So I got up bright and early this morning and I met with a lovely, what are they? Nurse lab technician. I don't know. And he was lovely. And I did my blood draw and then the grocery store is right next to the blood draw place, which was really nice. So then I could go get a breakfast and do some grocery shopping for the week. And so even though I didn't get to like have extra sleep in on my rest day, I'm very excited that I feel like I got a lot accomplished. So that was, yeah. which test did like, you do? Did you go with the ultimate? Yes, I did the ultimate. Ooh. So all of the things we get to find out. And I, the last time I did a blood test was in at the end of September, kind of like after my season ended end of September, early October. And that was when I saw that my vitamin D had really dropped quite, quite low again. And then my um, vitamin B was actually very low too. And so I have been supplementing both of those since then. And I noticed like within a month or two, I was just feeling better. <laughs> um, and it's not like I thought I was feeling bad going into that blood test. You know, I was like, I feel great. I just had a great season. I did these fun things, but let's just like do the checkup. Right. Um, and then I was like, oh man, I do feel better after supplementing these. So I'm like very excited to see those two, but, um, hopefully everything's kind of looking good because I'm, I'm running well, that is like a, you know, hopefully it's just confirming that I'm in a good, healthy spot to align with some of the runs I've been doing. But, um, I think that you are like a little bit ahead of me in yeah. this whole process, right? I had my rest day last week. Great minds think alike. So I had a lot rest day last week and, um, uh, and so I did, I did very similarly. The earliest appointment I could get was nine 30, which Whoa. I was like, ah, so I was Ooh. like trying to sleep as late as possible. <laughs> So I'm like, cowboy, no, keep sleeping. But, um, so yeah, staying fast until nine 30 was, uh, a, a bit of a challenge, but I was up for that challenge. <laughs> I'm always shocked. I've only done the ultimate test twice. I did it about a year ago. And then this was my second time. And I'm shocked by like, I always remember them taking like so much blood or it felt like so much blood, but actually this time it was easier. And the woman who took my blood was also very lovely. And like, Cause I'm not super good with needles and blood. And just, I like looked away and she was just like very kind. And, um, it went by much faster than I, than I thought. And she, I, I didn't go to the grocery store. I did not do anything useful. I went and got pancakes after, cause I was like, so, and she was like, go get breakfast now. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> so I went and got a giant breakfast after, but unlike you, I actually have been feeling kind of bad the last couple of weeks. And so a year ago when I got the blood test done, I was like very shocked to learn I had low ferritin. And 
because that had never been the case for me previously. So I did supplement with iron and then early January, when I kind of was starting to get back into training, I actually was feeling really bad. And so kind of some of the symptoms that I had a year ago had come back. Like I had some heart palpitations while swimming and which I think is, it's not totally abnormal, but, um, that's where I feel it the most is when I'm swimming. And then just, I was generally like down and just a lot of fatigue. And so I like, before I even got the results, I, you know, did what every medical profession loves when you do like self-diagnose myself. Um, (laughs) I, I just switched iron supplements. Cause I'm like, maybe I'm not absorbing this well. And then I also did start taking a vitamin D supplement because I was like, it just makes sense that I have low vitamin D because I, um, live in the large, very like pretty far North. I don't see much sun, especially this time of year. And, you know, I had, I had looked up some of the <laughs> symptoms of vitamin D deficiency. And so I just, I did, I, I ordered some supplements online that were NSF certified and I felt very high quality, a little more expensive, but I thought was worth the price. And honestly, Alyssa, within hours of taking a vitamin D supplement, I could feel it. Whoa. Like, I don't know if I'm or maybe the placebo effect is like very <laughs> real on me, but within hours, I like could feel better. And like within days, it was like such a huge difference. And I did get my results back. My ferritin had improved from last year. I think I was like 10 at this time last year and I was up to 41 now. So that was like a little bit better, but my vitamin D was down. I think last year I was like borderline low. And then this time I was like very, I was like low, like in the red. And I also have high cholesterol, which I think is not uncommon, um, for inside tracker. You see other athletes talk about that, but that was one of the, like, um, things they suggested actually for my high cholesterol was taking a vitamin D supplement. Hmm. So I'm very hopeful that, you know, this is going to turn things around for me. Like I said, I think it already has, it's only been a few days and I'm like, Whoa, I wish I had started doing this a long time ago. No, I think vitamin D. So I, ever since, you know, two years ago, when I realized that my vitamin D was really low and I started supplementing feeling better, I've like always kind of looked out for research around vitamin D and vitamin D is so interesting because you will find a lot of research that says like, it's pointless to supplement. It does nothing like blah, blah, blah. Right. But then like everyone you talk to notices a difference. And I really think it's like, I think it's quite, whether it's like, uh, I don't know if it, I don't, I mean, again, my medical training is like wilderness first responder. (laughs) They did not teach us about vitamin D supplementation in that, but Um, you know, I, I just feel like there is enough, um, antidotal evidence from my peers and other athletes that whether it is like something that helps you mentally and emotionally, and then that translates into physical improvements or whether there is physical improvements and that helps you mentally and emotionally. Right. I think there's like a huge link there. I know there is for me, like all systems in my body just feel a lot better. And I supplement pretty high. I, I don't know. I should have looked, looked up some numbers of what I've been doing, but maybe I will for the episode where I share my results. But did Haley, did you do like inner age or DNA testing? I did or not do inner age. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know. Last time I said I was like six years older than I am. So, um, I did not do inner age. I just wanted to, I really wanted to know that ferritin number. Cause I was thinking like, maybe it's too high. Um, I did want to know that. And I do think you know, maybe I wasn't absorbing and I do, I try really hard. I try really hard to like take my iron or, you know, supplement with 
orange juice. I take it on an empty stomach away from exercise, which is hard to time that really well, because honestly, I'm always eating or exercising a lot of the times or chatting with you. Um, so <laughs> it's based, it is a little bit of a trick, but I'm like, um, and, and I know that it, you know, this maybe isn't like the kind of, this is, you know, very privileged supplementing and it's, you know, making me a little bit better than I was, but I think given my profession as a professional athlete and what I put my body through all the time, and then like kind of, you know, extreme environment that I live in and, and just having done this for so many years, I I'm not someone who usually takes a lot of supplements or medication of any kind. And I was hesitant to even try inside tracker in the beginning. Cause I'm also not like a super data focused person. And I just think that my body usually runs pretty well, but I have been shocked shocked at how big of a difference, especially like in my general mood and like outlook that, you know, the light world is not ending. And, and I do think, you know, it's been an unprecedented couple of years. We know that. And I, I was able to kind of brush off some of the feelings I felt that were just, oh, it's just, you know, it's, this is what living through a pandemic is like. Some days you're going to wake up and you're just going to feel bad. And thankfully like that isn't always the case. And I am just thankful that it was like this easy of a fix. So, um, yeah, very grateful for, for my inside tracker experience. Yeah. And our feisty listeners can go to insidetrackercom slash feisty for, you can sign up for 20% off of, um, anything I think in the inside tracker store and give it a whirl yourself. Good time of year to be doing it. Yeah. I'm excited to hear about your results. Um, Another, speaking of results, um, I think by the time this airs, the new PTO ranking system will have been revealed. So for our listeners who have followed the professional triathletes organization a few years ago, came out with a ranking system and recently did a complete overhaul. So I talked to Danny Lewis, who is a pro triathlete. Uh, she was most recently was third, I believe at both Ironman, Arizona and Indian Wells 70.3. And Danny was part of the committee, an athlete committee that, you know, looked at the rankings and tried to figure out a better way. And I think the other athletes on that committee were Jackson Laundry, Renee Kiley, Ruth Astle, and Anthony Costas. So good representation from men and women from all different parts of the sport. So they got together, came up with a new ranking system, and Danny joined me for a quick conversation about the new ranking system and what we can expect when we look at the rankings from now on. No matter where you are at in your swimming journey, Orca has fit-for-purpose swimwear designed to meet your needs. Innovation has always been part of Orca's DNA, and when it came to the development of their new triathlon wetsuits, a wide range of skill levels and different types of triathletes were taken into account. Whether you're looking for maximum flexibility, maximum buoyancy, or somewhere in between, Orca wetsuits are designed to help you achieve better performance in the water. It is performance made simple. Use code IRONWOMEN15 for 15% off all items at orca.com. Hi, Danny. Welcome back to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, Haley. Thanks for having me. We have you here in a little bit different capacity this time because you were part of the board, the athlete board that worked on the PTO rankings overhaul. So can you talk a little bit about your position on that board and why you felt like the PTO rankings needed to change? Sure. So just um, a little bit over a year ago, almost maybe even a year and a half ago, um, there was a request for committee members. So it was actually uh, just a group of athletes that volunteered to be on a committee 
to put together a system um, or to take a look at the existing system and figure out what's a good way for us to, to move forward uh, in developing a different type of ranking system that would be more objective, um, that would be transparent, easy to understand, and something that would give athletes a good idea of what to expect in terms of points when they go to certain races. Um, and then we would essentially present that to the board for them to make decision on moving forward to that, with that, making adjustments and whatnot. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. And, and for all of our list, any of our listeners who aren't super familiar with the PTO rankings, can you tell us why they are important? Yeah, well, the PTO rings are important because it serves to rank the professional triathletes and show us, you know, who is the best in the world based on their racing and their results. Um, and then with that, I mean, the PTO has been elevating the sport and putting a lot more money in the sport and making professional triathlon. Um, it's giving it more, I don't want to say legitimacy or making it easier for people to make a living uh, in the sport, which has been really helpful. Right. Because there's year end bonuses that are tied to rankings. There are mm -hmm. entries into PTA PTO tour events that have some of the biggest prize purses in our sport. Those are all tied to an athlete's ranking, right? Exactly. Yep. All of that's tied to the athlete's ranking. Um, you know, it gives us some guidance, you know, what are we shooting for when we go to races? Um, what are we striving for? You obviously want to compete against the best in the world and also want to elevate our sport to bring it to the public and make it something that the public's interested in watching as well. Yes, it is. It's nice to have that ranking list and just to, for someone who's a casual fan can easily like peruse that and kind of get a feel for who, who is at a race. Um, can you tell us briefly about the new ranking system and how it differs from the previous version? Sure. So the previous version, uh, really the importance, um, in, in that was on how fast you went, right? There was what was called the AIT or the adjusted ideal time. So basically after a race, we would learn, okay, what the adjusted ideal time is for that race. And then based on our own time and our own performance, our score would be based on how close or not close we were to that AIT. Right. Um, and so one of the challenges with that is that we didn't really know what to expect going into a race. Um, you can use some of the past, the, the historical times on that course and think, okay, I need to be maybe in this ballpark um, for this race, but you just didn't really have a really good idea. Um, and so this system, it, uh, it, it, the, it, it's important to go fast in a race, but it's fast relative to your competition. And so that's one of the changes within the newer system is that there are three different uh, main approaches. You have the your place in the race, and then the strength of the field of the race, and then the time component. But the time component, like I was saying, is different. It's not so much on how fast you go, but it's how fast you go relative to the field that you're in. Um, and then also with this new system is that there are tiers in place. So, each race is categorized in one of five tiers. You have the diamond tier, the platinum, and then gold, silver, and bronze. And then I don't know if you want me to, but I can kind of dive into which races are included in those. But um, 
yeah, go ahead. I think, I think we, I mean, you laid it out very well online. So if any of our listeners are interested, they can look at that, but I think, you know, big prize money races. So PTO tour events, uh, the Ironman world championships, those are your diamond highest tier races. And then maybe the, the races that are a little bit lower prize money, um, and don't uh, usually attract quite as big of a field, quite as much attention would be more on the bronze level. Is that about right? Yeah. I, if you look at, you know, the Ironman calendar, the challenge calendar, um, and just the races that are available to pros, the bulk of races will fall in your gold and silver categories. Um, so I think you, most of your racing is still going to be there, but your higher, uh, tiered races, those are ones that might be invite only, or you have to qualify for those. Um, yeah, those would be in the higher tiers and presumably worth more points then. (laughs) <laughs> more points, more money. Yep. Yes. And so I looked at, um, the difference. So us as PTO members, we did get a little preview of how the rankings are expected to change. So it's my understanding, you know, the end of the 2022 season, those rankings, the bonuses are going to be paid out based on those Those are set, but going forward, the, those rankings are going to be recalculated under this new system. And that is how, uh, everything is going to be calculated paying or going forward. So it's going to be who gets invites into the PTO opens, who gets invites to the Collins cup, who gets, uh, those year end bonuses are going to be calculated on a 52 week rolling basis on the new system. Do I have that right? You got it right. You get the nail on the head. Yeah. So I was looking through the rankings and I think, you know, you and I, again, are both part of that. And I think under the old system, you were ranked 37th and now under the new system, you dropped to 42nd. Mm -hmm. I was previously ranked 50th and now I'm 37th. Uh, I have ideas about my own ranking change. And I think possibly it did come from the new tiered system. And I I raced Kona, got 13th there. I feel like the previous system didn't quite uh, capture my performance there in the points compared to some of my other performances. But how do you feel about your own ranking change? Well, I think it reflects your uh, race selection. Um, so for myself, I mean, I did go to some PTO races last year, but I had terrible performances personally. Um, so even though that, even though I was there, uh, and, and honestly, with it being a higher tier race, you can go to a PTO race and have kind of a mediocre performance and still get relatively okay points, but you are racing against the best in the world. Um, it's a very, those are very deep fields. Um, but so personally, I, I think it reflects some of the race choices and selection. So I actually, it's funny you say this because I looked at yours also because I knew we were talking and I looked at mine just to see like some of the differences and your scores came from, you had Kona and you showed Clash, Day- Clash Daytona and Clash, Clash Daytona because of the larger prize purse is a gold race. Mm-hmm. So the base points of that is 90. And I also think that there was a stronger strength of field at Clash Daytona as well, um, because the strength of field there, well, strength of field, obviously you can look at the methods behind the ranking system, but it takes into account the top few athletes, like the top ranked Mm -hmm. athletes that are there in the race. And that uh, gives you your strength of field. So Clash Daytona gave you some good points too. So I think moving forward, there's a few things to consider. Um, you know, one, just being athletes, we need to continually strive for our own personal progress and not be driven by a ranking system. Right. 
um, the ranking system's there, but as athletes, we always want to continue to improve. So I, one, number one, just advocate for that and not just trying to chase points. But then if you are looking at the system and figuring out how to maximize your own strengths within it, um, your race selection will be important. Choosing those races that will work towards your strengths. Um, and then also if you can get yourself on a start line with some stronger fields, um, if you can get yourself qualified for the 70.3 world championships, if you can get yourself ranked in the top 50 of the PTO, you know, those are some things that'll be important if you want to get into some of those higher tier races. Right. Cause I did, I did kind of look at, uh, the rankings. And I was looking at those, those, I know from the, the PTO bonus payouts, like obviously the top, you know, 10, 20 athletes, like a few point, a few, few ranking differences is a lot. can be a lot of money, tens of thousands of dollars that if you change, but also if you're kind of at those cusp levels, um, you know, you and I would have made the same year end bonus, Mm $5,000 regardless, because 21 through 50 get $5,000. But if you go from, you know, 60th to 50th, you go from $2,000 to 5,000 is a $3,000 difference, which in our sport is a lot of money and can make a huge difference. Or if you go from, Mm -hmm. you know, 110, I think Sarah Bishop, I noticed her, she went from 110 in the rankings to 99, which would have put her in the top 100 would have gotten her that $2,000 bonus. And, and I must, assuming maybe like a confidence boost. Like I know for me, when I stuck into the top 50, I was like, Hey, I felt pretty good about myself. So I think hopefully the numbers are are more accurate reflections. And, and, um, like you said, do reward athletes for, for doing some tough races. They do, you know, and I also like that it it focuses on the race, the race itself. Um, and I was kind of diving into some numbers this morning and, you know, I think in, well, hold on. I'll say this. Um, I have had a few people say when they first looked at the new system and these are some lower ranked athletes. Um, they've said, you know, it, it might seem discouraging because if you just look at it, you think, okay, I'm a lower ranked athlete. It's really hard for me to get into like the PTO races or some of these bigger races, but where, what I would say is that this, the system actually does provide a really good pathway for athletes to know, okay, this actually is what I need to do to move up in the rankings. Because previously it was a little bit um, cloudy. You know, you might show up to a race, you weren't really sure exactly what you had to do to get high points, but now you know where you need to go. But then also with a lot of your racing being at that um, kind of that silver level, you can still go to a race that doesn't have maybe the strongest strength of field, but if you race well and race fast relative to your competition, you will be rewarded for that. So I think that's important to note because, um, within the system, it takes, it it creates a reference time, which is an average of the top times of the first, however many athletes there are, um, in the race. And that, that the number of athletes that it uses for the reference time depends on how many people are in the field. But if you are faster than that reference time, you're rewarded for that and you get more points. So I think that's just something to keep in mind. So you do think this will change how athletes are racing and which races they choose to start? Um, well, I think they'll be, uh, they'll be mindful of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we are recording this before the full rankings are publicly available, but by the time this airs, they will be, but I am curious because some of us, uh, you know, the PTO members did get a little bit of advance warning, uh, the committee yourself and the board presented a webinar for us to help us understand this. Have you had much response from athletes aside from, I guess, the few that you mentioned, um, talking about how they're hopeful. 
yeah. You know, even the ones that when they first glance at it, were a little bit skeptical when they actually look at it, they're like, okay, no, this makes sense. And they're happy with it. And so overall the uh, feedback has been really positive. Um, and I'm sure, you know, as the, as racing starts this year, and as we kind of get into the, the thick of the year that we'll find some different nuances of the system that may not be perfect. Um, but that's, that's okay. You know, because I do believe that this is a step in the right direction and it is an improvement over what we had previously. Well, Danny, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through the new PTO ranking system. And thank you for the time that you and the rest of the committee put together, uh, in creating this new system. And we were, be wishing you uh, and all of us the best of luck into the 2023 season. Absolutely. Thanks, Haley. Big thanks to Danny for joining me. I think that was an interesting conversation. Alyssa, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to look at the new rankings uh, compared to the old, or if you have any thoughts on, on calculating them in this different way that includes strength of field, that includes tiered races based on prize money and, and athlete support. But do you have any thoughts? Yeah. So I think the, we chatted a little bit before this, and I think the one thing we touched on, we definitely should tell our listeners again, because I was kind of like, when I started seeing that the, you know, rankings were going to be different and blah, blah. I was kind of like, well, it's kind of like mid season for some people, right? Like, you know, the, um, the races in like Australia and things are in full swing, their seasons in full spring, they've been planning their season, you know, accordingly. And so I was just curious on how things are calculated, taking, that into account. And I think you, you helped me kind of think through that and I feel good about that. Right. So, right. So all the year end rankings that bonuses were paid out on, they, those don't change, but what is going to, those races will actually be past races from the past year will be recalculated using the new ranking system. And then going forward, everything is on a rolling 52 week, uh, system. So once it's been a year, 52 weeks since that race, it drops off. And so going forward, everything is going to be a little bit, um, you know, based on the new ranking system and it does give athletes a chance. Like if you are, if you have a good, you know, couple of months at the end of the year, like you can really like get a lot of points and possibly move up the rankings. And, and, but then also if you didn't have a good race, like that race is going to drop off you know, soon enough. Yeah, no, super interesting. And Thanks for getting that scoop for us. I think that's always fun too. So um, good work. Good work, Haley. And Haley, we don't have any mailbags this time, but it's okay because we do have another great interview for everyone. But folks, you can send in your mailbag questions to us about anything. Ask us about the PTO rankings. Ask us about how Haley plans her race season around that and how Alyssa managed to not ever... <laughs> to think about that in her racing career. Um, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Fill our mailbag back up. We would love that. And for our interview this week, it's really fun. Haley, I feel like we've been kind of reliving like our glory days in these last few weeks of interviews. Oh, because we're like going back to college. Yes. Was yes. college your glory days? <laughs> I feel like well, high just... school. I peaked in high school for sure. <laughs> It's I don't know. I downhill. just, I love, I always love the, I mean, I live in a college town. I have lived in a college town for quite a while now. And, um, I just love the energy and enthusiasm. Like, I feel like that part of me that really just feels off that, like thrives off that young people's energy is like a big part of who I am. But, um, so spoiler alert, we were talking to some more college students this week. Yes. Okay. So we are continuing our, our NCAA triathlon 
theme here. Um, last week we talked to Delaware state, which was the second HBCU with an NCAA varsity team. And now we are talking to Hampton university, the first HBCU historically black college or university with an NCAA women's triathlon team. We are joined by Dr. Jody Jensen, who is the head coach at Hampton Manjai Hosang, who is the assistant coach and lead strength and conditioning coach and Jordan Bryant, who is a second year student and student athlete on the triathlon team. And so Hampton first announced that it was creating a women's NCAA triathlon team back in 2018. And so we talk about that process of creating the team, which also included the pandemic. So it has been a challenging process and taken several years, but they are up and running. They are racing and we are going to hear all about their season and also what they have planned for the rest of 2023. We will have this conversation right after a break. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. And since we have a couple people on this call, I really want to start with some quick introductions. Uh, could each of you say your name and your role within Hampton University and the women's triathlon team? I think we should start with the coaches. So Dr. Jody Jensen, would you like to kick us off? Sure, I would love to. Hi, thank you for having myself and Coach Manjai and Jordan on the podcast. I'm Jody Jensen. I'm head coach, professor, and director of aquatics here at Hampton University. So I love how I have three job titles, how it aligns with TRI. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, there's the benefit. Three is a lucky number in this sport. Manjai, how about you? What, how, what is your connection with Hampton? So, so my name's Manjai Hosang. I am the sports performance director of Olympic sports. Um, so basically the strength conditioning coach for all the sports here at Hampton, with the exception of football, uh, and as well as the assistant women's triathlon coach. So uh, connections, I'm a local, retired military, lived here. Um, saw the campus across, uh, saw the coaching uh, aspects of it and was like, hey, can I come on board to help? So figured out a way to get on campus. And then now we're going to get these ladies ready to go. All right. And Jordan, how about you, our, our student athlete on the call? Um, I am the captain of the triathlon team. And this is my first like year doing triathlon though. Okay, and so in October of 2018, Hampton announced that it would be the first HBCU to add women's triathlon as a varsity sport, and it was really big news in the triathlon world. In the triathlon world, and that announcement included the school vice president, athletic director, senior woman administrator, the CEO of USA Triathlon, and Sika Henry, the first Black woman pro triathlete. So Jody, you were already working at Hampton in 2018. Did the announcement feel like a big deal on campus? Oh, absolutely. Um, that being, we, we here at Hampton, we love being the first. So being the first HBCU, it was really something very special. And also too, it was a great learning opportunity because I don't think the people, not just uh, the college campus, but people, I don't think quite understand the sport of triathlon. Um, Ironman obviously is a household name, but then when you start talking Olympic distance or sprint distance, then that's when the learning curve comes in. So yes, it was definitely embraced and, and lots of excitement. And we're still 
working on the on the visibility of our team. Um, we we're so excited when it was announced and then COVID came and HU went to online. So we weren't on campus. And so that certainly threw a wrench into things, um, recruiting. And so this last season was our first real season of getting our, our feet underneath us and getting the, the wheels going. So we're, we're very excited about next season and really making our, our splash or as Coach Manjai will say, making waves. I like that. Jody, you mentioned the kind of uh, environment of being first at Hampton. And I believe Hampton was also the first HBCU with a men's lacrosse team, first HBCU with a competitive sailing team. So can you talk a little bit more about that ethos? Well, I think it, it falls within the mission of Hampton University as far as the increasing diversity and increasing representation in sports that are, whether you call them country club sports or predominantly white sports, that the ability to bring visibility and bring opportunities and just create that trickle-down effect of now there's role models that young children or even teenagers can look to and say, hey, I can do that too. And that's the fun thing about triathlon for Jordan. And I don't want to steal her thunder, but she was a, um, came to us from California and she was a competitive swimmer and had some experience in track and absolutely no experience whatsoever in cycling, but was drawn to the sport of triathlon for a competitive outlet and the fire in her eyes when she competes when it's a whether it's a hard training session or even her very first triathlon that she did and again I'm sorry to steal her thunder but we were it was a, a an event that had a long course and a short course and she missed the turn for the short course and ended up doing the long course for the bike so when she got done with the bike I mean she was absolutely exhausted and could have just been coach I give up I'm not I'm not doing the run she got off her bike and did the run and it was just really a, just a real beautiful reflection of her character and and again her her drive there is no quit in, in Jordan yeah and Jordan okay. what well I want to like jump yeah. in here just for a second because was in 2018 I think you were in high school you know mm -hmm. early years of high school yeah and as your coach mentioned swimming in California was triathlon even on your radar at that time did you did you know it was even a sport I knew it was a sport because I had teammates um, that came from that. And I remember talking to them and being like, absolutely never. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think it's funny that I ended up here. But I do I do have a love for triathlon now. But I did not see myself doing this. Like, and what, what was it about the sport that made you be like, no, no, no. Just like too many things, too long, too like, you know, you just weren't into it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the running definitely put me off. I've never really been a runner. I would, my high school didn't necessarily have an all-weather track the entire time, and my joints can't really deal with that. So when we would have PE and things like that, I would opt out, um, and I would bike instead on a stationary bike, but I, I would always find a way not to run. So I just find it really funny that I'm pushing myself this hard now for running when I just never wanted to do it. 
And yeah. when you when you did learn about triathlon, I think were you already at Hampton as a student, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was when you you found out about the triathlon team. Mm-hmm. Yes, I thought about it because I knew that we didn't have a swim team, and I knew that triathlon had swim within it. So I was teetering. I was like, mm, should I? Should I not? And then I just decided to do it because I was like, I, I need to get into a sport. Okay. And Manjai, let's talk about kind of, we touched on this a little bit before we were recording actually too, but <laughs> kind of how you ended up um, with the women's triathlon team, because it was a few years um, after 2018 before you joined Hampton, but in 2018, you were already involved in triathlon. So had you been following women's NCAA triathlon at the time? Do you remember hearing the news kind of, can you tell us that the path that led you to Hampton? So yeah, I've been teetering in a triathlon in and out since like 95, 96. Uh, So it was never really lost upon me. Like, okay, there's not a whole lot of different colors out here, but okay, we'll go. Um, Fast forward, uh, I was finishing up my active duty military career. Uh, I was actually a helicopter rescue swimmer. Again, I'm in a, in kind of the environment where there's not a whole lot of color. Um, But again, jumping back into triathlon. So when I saw the announcement, I was like, wow, how cool is that? And then where's it going to go from here? I'd already kind of got the coaching bug and was doing just a little bit. So I'm thinking, okay, how can I get involved or can I get involved uh, with the program? So uh, I was working as a sports performance coach uh, out uh, in in Newport News, just the other city, uh, had a quick conference, uh, had kind of an endurance conference. Uh, I said, figured no better time than to invite the team and invite the coach to the conference. So that's how I first uh, met Jody. Uh, we talked a little bit there. Uh, and then, like we said, COVID, as, as we all know, just, just threw wrenches in every gear there was. So uh, I kind of went off and did some other things, kept my eye on it, just kind of that quick, okay, what's going on over there? Uh, it took, uh, I guess, a few years. And then finally, it's like, hey, so... I was looking to see what's going on, and I kind of saw that the the wheels were starting to churn. So once again, like connected, and I, I figured out after doing some coaching conferences that the the easiest way for assistance, because reality is, a lot of schools budgets uh, for assistance, paid positions, whether volunteer positions. What do you do to get your foot in the door? And the best advice I got is to get on campus. If you're on campus, then you have the time to coach. Uh, and it just so happened that the school was looking for uh, a strength and conditioning coach. I was like, duh, that's what I do. So um, with uh, the, the AD at the time, Mr. Marshall, it was an awesome conversation. I think uh, we talked for two weeks and as the stars just aligned, uh, he asked me what my philosophy was and it aligned up with the school's mission. And so kapow, here I am. Uh, I believe I'm in week 10. Uh, so it's it's been fun. And Jody, what was it like initially getting the team going? Uh, you mentioned, you know, it was it was tough to keep it afloat through those years of pandemic, and the world is a pretty different place now than it was in 2018. So, can you tell us about that whole process? Oh yeah, it it definitely was, and and honestly, because we were the first HBCU with a triathlon team, I wanted to recruit from within instead of recruiting from without. So that's really where um, 
I, I, I wanted a true reflection of the campus. And so that's where my recruiting efforts began. Um, and it, it, it's been challenging. It's been very challenging from some internal processes, getting equipment and certainly my learning curve. Um, to be quite honest with you, it was a by default. So it's it has that I was um, chosen as as the as the coach, and so bringing Manjai on board has just been great for me um, this last season. Learning about bike equipment, learning about training principles. Um, swimming is my forte. When I talk about my career. I, I always start with all I've ever done is be a lifeguard. Um, and it's just my path has led me um, through. I, I work water rescue for triathlons in the summertime. And so that's where I was really familiar with the sport of triathlon and had reached out to say, hey, when y'all hire a triathlon coach, I'm more than happy to provide water rescue support. Obviously, we'll coordinate for use of the pool for swim practice. And they're like, well, why don't you apply? And I'm like, sure, why not? I would love to. So quite honestly, it's been a learning curve for me. And with me and Jai, like you said, he just came on 10 weeks ago and he has just hit the ground running and has, has just been wonderful, not only for me, but also for the team members, getting them established in the weight room with the good um, weight training and off-season training, again, preparing for the upcoming season. And Jody, we did listen to your interview with Mashonda Shines of the Tri Beginners Luck podcast, and you mentioned that you get a lot of help from a local bike shop, which seems to be a theme in getting you know new teams off the ground. We just recently talked to Delaware State, and they had a great relationship with their bike shop in town to do some rides and things like that. So can you tell us about that relationship and how it's been helpful for you? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, the value of relationships. I mean, my meeting Manjai, I mean, that was what led to him coming to Hampton. It's huge. But yes, Freddie, um, Freddie James, and he has a bike shop called Free Will freewheeling um, bike shop. And I feel like when I got his shop is down in Hampton, down in Buckrow, Buckrow Beach, it's about four miles from campus. And I feel like it's going into a barber shop when, when you go there. I mean, the conversations he does, he has a cycling background. Um, and so he just embraced me my position, the team. He loaned us bikes for the season. He did training with the girls, did a training ride, brought me a, um, when we did our training ride, brought me a motorbike. So I was able to keep pace with the, with the rest of the team, but he has just been a godsend. And, um, and, and yes, I'd, honestly, we wouldn't have had bikes or wouldn't be able to have competed the way that we did this, this past season. So yes, having that relationship with the local bike shop is, is huge. Jordan, your coach told us a little bit about your first triathlon and the, uh, slight course mishap. So I think this was a local race. Can you tell us a little bit more about your feelings going into that race? How, did you have much bike experience outside of the stationary bike you'd ridden in high school? No, <laughs> not at all. But uh, other than like what we practice for, like throughout the weeks and stuff. But um, I was a little nervous going into it just because I was like, this is 
this is the real beginning. Like, this is where it starts. And the swim was actually really nice for me. So I kind of, I would say I lowered the, the my expectations for the rest of the, um, for the triathlon. And then once the bike started, it was, it was like, oh, <laughs> this is really hard. But um, I just kept going. And then after a certain point, when I lost the pack, I was like, something does not feel right. I feel like I've been biking for forever. And then I started when I went in to um, finish the bike, I started seeing my teammates returning from their run. And I was like, something went wrong. <laughs> something definitely went wrong here. And then they were looking at me like, what happened? <laughs> like They were all so confused and I was so exhausted, but I was like, I have to finish. So the bike, I mean, not the bike, the run was awful, but I was just happy that I finished. Yeah. Did you have enough like nutrition or fluids? Cause you weren't planning on being out there that long. I, no, I was not. Um, the bike, I, I wasn't, um, well-versed in how to like drink water while biking. Uh, we still have to train on that, but throughout the run, I was taking every opportunity to get the Gatorade and the water, just every single chance I got. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I need and to hydrate. Yeah. What kept you going? Cause you know, you're like, oh, you know, something happened. This wasn't supposed to be this way. It would have been really easy for you to just step off the course or stop in transition. And mm -hmm. everyone would have understood, you know, they're like, oh, the course should have been marked better um tough day for Jordan but you finished like what what is it in you that kept you going um I I don't really know per se I just know like I I have this thing within like at least swim because that's really the only sport that I've like put a lot of effort into other than triathlon you don't stop you don't stop you finish you have to finish there's no there's no other way to go so that was really my mental and I started thinking about my grandfather because he's the reason that I started swimming like competitively and I was just like he would want me to finish this so let me just let me just muster up every ounce of strength that I have to finish this I always tell athletes that when, you know, the race physically isn't going quite as what we want which to your this is like a kind of like a outside factor too, right? Um but it's always a good deposit in the mental toughness bucket, right? Instead of, so like, maybe we're not getting the race that we wanted out of it, but you're, you're getting that deposit into your mental toughness bucket. And that sounds like definitely, definitely what that was thing. for you. Yeah, it's definitely a mental thing. I just had to keep telling myself, you can do it. You, it's not that much more like you, you can complete this. And then Jordan, just two weeks after Pleasance Landing, you raced in the Kinetic Cup a draft legal collegiate race and a regional qualifier. So how did your first collegiate draft legal race experience compare to the local race? Very differently. <laughs> um, it was way more competitive. I realized when we got there, I, I got the sense of the competitiveness. It was what I was used to. Um, uh, the first um, race at Pleasant's Landing was very positive. Like we were getting a lot of positive feedback from everybody. Everybody was like, you know, you're doing great. Just a lot of love everywhere. And then the next race, it wasn't necessarily not like that, but 
you could tell that people had like their game face on like this was serious like it was this is this is real like no no games no nothing so I was like okay yeah we're we're really getting into this and it was a lot harder than the first one even though I had less to do it was still much harder did um, it feel short with the bike only yeah. being <laughs> The bike did feel sh- mm, actually no it didn't it was because <laughs> um it was uh more hilly I would okay. say so um or at least the hills were steeper and but I was more attentive that time I was like I'm not missing this <laughs> no I refuse um but the swim was uh, so much harder for the second race because I wasn't used to the group start um because I'm used to you know diving off and my having my own space my own lane everything like that and we were basically swimming on top of each other until everybody spurst out and I was not prepared for that I was like oh my gosh I thought I was gonna drown a few times but I was like that that is not gonna happen but once I got out of the water and I was running towards uh the transition area I felt like I was going to pass out, but one of my teammates came up to me and was like helping me breathe and just like, you can do this. And then I was like, all right, I got to finish. And then I got on my bike and just went. But I I thought that I wasn't going to be able to finish like after the swimming part. But you did. I love the teamwork. I love the experience. I think triathlon is an ex- a race or a sport where experience does help. And it sounds like you're learning with each race and kind of talking about experience. Uh, Manjai, you, you have experience obviously in triathlon and also in the weight room. So I am curious just as a triathlete myself, and I know all of our list, most of our listeners are probably triathletes. Do you, are, are there specific things that you try to work on in the weight room that you think are good for triathletes? Yeah. So, uh, general, you kind of look at the the sport, obviously is swim, bike, run. So, uh, I don't, you can't train triathletes as just swimmers, just cyclists or just runners. So just like when you go into, to some brick work and, you know, uh, going with your conditioning, that's how we, that's how I do it in the weight room. So they're programmed. So we work on all aspects of it and not necessarily there to, uh, get super strong, but I want to create balance, balance and strength. Because um, if if you think about all three sports, at some point in time, you have to be balanced isolaterally left and right. And a lot of athletes, uh, regardless of their sport, are are imbalanced. So for these young ladies, as you can hear, kind of working with raw talent. So now we get to mold who they are and what they're going to be. So to develop some strengths, some mobility, uh, then add the skill portion uh, is is what we're looking to do this this first year, uh, and it's progression. Uh, I I'm not going to sit here, and I don't think any coach can can say, "Hey, we're going to go and we're going to win national championships." Um, not this year, but we're going to progress. They're going to get stronger as they get more balanced. We'll increase the weight. They'll get stronger. They'll uh, be more balanced. And then as we uh, start training uh, the individual events, when we put it all together in the race, uh, we're looking at strength, balance, as well as their endurance factor they'll gain in the weight room also, uh, which will enhance, be enhanced from uh, training. Yeah, absolutely. The layers of season over season are going to really start to accelerate the the growth of the team, I have no doubt. So 
Jody, can you tell us about the facilities at Hampton? It sounds like a great place to swim and lift, but how is the cycling and the running around campus? Well, yeah, I was going to say something that our, the HU's motto is our home by the sea, although we're on the Hampton River, but it does feed out into the Chesapeake Bay and eventually to the Atlantic Ocean. So we're, we're very fortunate to have the open water access. Um, and it, even with the open water, we have wave access to wave open water and flat water open water, um, which is nice. And then our pool, the, it's an indoor six-lane, 25-yard pool. It was built in 1968, and um, Hampton used to have a swim team from 1948 to 1984. And even though the facility is old, it's it was built it was built as a state-of-the-art um, facility when it was built. Like for instance, our our bleachers are detached from the deck. Um, so it has stood the test of time as far as the shell is concerned. And then the campus itself, um, we do some running on campus, laps around campus, and some laps are, um, we've got some courses off of campus. But as far as the biking is concerned, we pack up and we go to Fort Monroe, which is about three miles away. And it's a really nice place to, it's flat. And we've got our cycle loops that we do for our, our cycle training. So we're, we're really, um, our we have access to a lot of great places and the temperatures here in Virginia, especially being this close to the water, is we really don't have extreme cold. So it's, it's easy. If anything, it's the summertime where with the heat and humidity that um, makes it a little challenging. And Jordan, I grew up swimming kind of similar to you. And uh, I remember as a swimmer, like I thought, a two minute race was really long. Like four minute race was like so long. Yeah. And then a sprint triathlon can be more than an hour long. So you've talked a little bit about, you know, the duration and how, how big of a change that is, but how, how do you like it? Like, how do you like the, the training and the racing and the duration? I mean, does it, is it nice because it mix it up a little bit more than a 50 freestyle and there's, there's time to like, if something goes wrong to problem solve. Um, yeah, I wanted to bring this up because in swim, I'm a sprinter. So like my races are like 50, 100, 200 would be like pushing it for me. Um, so I just thought it was really funny that I was now in a complete endurance sport. Um, but I have grown to appreciate it because um, endurance is necessary for like everything. So um, I've, I've really learned to like, use it to my advantage and learn to like pace myself more. I don't always have to go full out all the time. Um, and I can like allocate my energy properly. So even though I am technically a sprinter, like by heart and by like nature, um, learning to adopt um, better endurance strategies is definitely like something that's benefited me. One of these days, you're going to have one of those close finishes coming down to the line and my money's on you. That's where the, that's where that like swim kick, kick uh, kicks in for sure. What about open water swimming versus pool swimming? You alluded a little bit to the kinetic cup and having everyone on top of each other, but what about even training open water? Did you ever do that prior to, to college? 
Um, a little bit. I did junior lifeguard for like five years and uh, every once in a while we would go to the beach and they would have us do run, swim, runs, which is basically like, it's like a triathlon start. So we run into the water like that and then we swim out to the buoy and then we swim back out and then we keep doing that over and over again. So I did have a bit of experience. Um, the triathlon like swim is longer, but I wasn't, I'm, I'm used to swimming with waves. And I also like, like when I go to the beach, I like to get fully in the water and like swim and do everything like that. So, um, it wasn't that new to me. And while you were talking about kind of the transition from sprinter to endurance athlete, it made me wonder, like, do you find yourself taking those lessons you're learning in sport and applying them to kind of life as a college student too? And like being like, okay, I need to like pace myself this semester and pace myself with life and here in college and on campus and stuff. Is that, have you like made that connection kind of? Yeah, definitely. Um, with sports as well as like school, I tend to be a perfectionist, but that perfectionist is not always like great like if you are a perfectionist and you are so like nitpicky on certain things they can't be great because you're just keeping it concealed into a box so like part of like the endurance and like letting myself like spread out pace myself all that I can apply that to school and be like okay you don't need to do everything right now like spread it out in increments so that, you know, you're not overwhelmed completely. And even I just found this out myself, like I tend to push myself very far as far as like working out and body and everything. After weight room, um, we had weight room on Wednesday. I went and worked out again later in the day. Yes, I did. <laughs> and um, yesterday I was out for the count like my body was like why would you do that so now I'm like learning as I go like I need to I need to pace myself a little bit yeah but it's definitely helping me with everything else in life for sure Jordan at since you have finished your your first triathlon season uh and you're kind of getting ready for the second. Do you have any goals for yourself within the sport or for the team heading into this 2023 season? Um, my main goal is to go to nationals. So that that's really what we're striving for like right now. That's like the main goal. Um, but Manjai and I were talking before break and um, I'm from LA uh, and there's going to be in Olympics and I believe in 2028 um within swim I always wanted to go to the Olympics so I feel like if I'm in this sport right now I might as well add that to my goal list as well so yeah those are oh, the I love it I, I have like goosebumps thinking about now following your journey this is great so hometown Olympics I, I mean know. when does that happen never that's amazing yeah. And what about um, as a student at Hampton? So what initially drew you to the school and how are you finding life as a student athlete? Um, when I came to Hampton initially, I was taking a break from being a student athlete because I've just been a student athlete for a while. And I was like, no, 
I'm just going to be a student and see how that goes. And I was like, no, by the end of freshman year, I was like, I need to be in a sport. Um, um, yeah. And I'm sorry. Can you remind me what oh, yeah. the question <laughs> So what drew you initially to the school and then right. how are you finding the balance now? Um, the school that I went to, the high school I went to was diverse as far as like private school goes. I went to an all girls Catholic school in LA, but um, I really found that I wanted to go to HBCU. Um, and most of my family that has gone to college did not go to HBCU. So I was like, I really want to experience this for myself. So I was going to have to travel really far regardless if I wanted to go to an HBCU. So um, you know, I did some talking with my mom and we decided on Hampton and I was really excited to come. I went to pre-college and I had a great time and um, yeah, I loved it. And I had heard about the triathlon team, but, you know, as I said before, I was like, uh, I don't know, that seems like a lot. But um, I was just like, you know what, this seems like this could be for me. So and it. Um, I've talked to coach about this as well, um, like representation, uh, being at HBCU and being in a um, white dominated sport is, it's, it's definitely an experience, but I'm glad that we can be like some, some people that other girls that look like us or even other just black people period can look up to us and be like that we, I can do that, you know? So I'm I'm really glad that that is something that we can do with this. We're so glad you changed your mind and decided to be a student athlete. Manjai, as your initial, it's only been 10 weeks, but as your time as an Olympic or Olympic collegiate, possibly Olympic coach, has <laughs> anything surprised you about NCAA women's triathlon as, you know, is it anything different than what you expected? Uh, no, I expected it to be competitive. Uh, just as any of the non-draft legal races are. And I think uh, they take the competitiveness up a notch because they get to add that team aspect. It's team. Uh, this is a team sport. Your finishes are, are done on a team basis. So you get to kind of, although you're an individual and you're working as an individual, uh, you're working for your team. And I think in the triathlon world, um, it was expressed last year with that PTO format and it, it, and you keep hearing it. Yeah. And, and Jordan said it. And that's the one thing that, that I think is exciting about her. I just got to finish or, or I'm not going to stop. And so to be in a, an environment in a team sport and your teammates, that's their thought process. Uh, there you go. You, you can't coach that. You can coach skill. You can, you know, do skill training, ability, but you can't coach that that mental attitude. So uh, I think um, with a lot of the the uh, conferences that I've, I've seen and, and been involved with the NC2A Women's Triathlon, uh, stand by because there are some some feisty young ladies who uh, are, are racing just as hard. And Jody, with your background as a teacher, is there anything specific you hope your athletes learn from their triathlon experience that they can take into post collegiate life? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, I was an athlete. Basketball was my sport. Swimming was, uh, I was more on the recreational side of swimming, um, did a little bit of, of swim team and just became a nerd in the sport of swimming. Um, but being a student athlete, I went, my first go around with college was on a basketball scholarship. And as I would say, I was an athlete student. I didn't go to college to be a student. I went to college to play basketball and that blew up in my face. And so um, it, having the conversation with Jordan after she did her first race and she shared about her relationship with her grandfather and how she heard her grandfather's voice in her head while she was doing that, that yes, I, it, that the pushing yourself beyond the limits, um, the discipline, the, even though it's individual, when you go out and race, you still have that relationship of a family as far as your teammates supporting each other and lifting each other up that yes we're out there and racing and we want a place but we're going to lift each other up and cheer each other on regardless of what our abilities are and that's something that I've watched with this team is there's this natural cohesion and this natural sense of, of family so yeah it, it it's beautiful to watch because because triathlon is such a unique sport with three different events that are all combined into one that they're not just focusing on one thing. And I think that that's very important for life lessons after graduation. And even now, um, Jordan and I speak about it too, as far as when you're a student athlete, that having a set schedule and having your training, it doesn't leave time to procrastinate and do other things. And so Jordan's been doing a really good job focusing on her academics and trying to find that um, in-season, out-of-season balance with her academics as well as with, with the training. So yeah, it, 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 it's definitely life lessons, sports in general, but obviously um, 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 prone to, to triathlon in, in the sense of what's expected and pushing yourself once you're done with one event and you've pushed yourself to the limit. Now you go to the second event and then the cherry on top is a run after you've just killed your legs on the bike. You're going to, you know, rubberize through that and, and get through your run. So um, it's, 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 it's fun watching these ladies learn to push themselves and and honestly the biggest compliment that they've given to me without saying is that they've trusted in me and they've pushed themselves beyond limits because that's the other thing that first triathlon um at pleasant landing the the water conditions were horrible i mean it was windy and there was white caps i'm like oh we're gonna have a flat water swim we get there and it was like Oh, I mean, so it was it was definitely a struggle, but they pushed through it. And um, it's, it's just a, a, a beautiful thing. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Jordan, do you plan to compete in any races this spring or summer or are you just going to focus on training and and gear up for the collegiate season in the fall? Um, we probably have to talk to coach and coach Manjai more about it. We've talked a little bit about possibly going to maybe one or two. Um, uh, if I can train during the summer, which is most likely, then I feel like we're I'm going to get at least one race in, at least one. So, yeah, excited. 
Well, thank you so much to everyone for taking the time today. We're really excited to, for us and our listeners, I'm sure we'll be following your seasons from here on out. And I think there's a lot of growth in your future. So we're really excited to watch that. Thank you. Awesome. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Have us again at, after the end of next season so we you can follow, follow Jordan and the rest of our teammates' growth. We're going to take you up on that. Excellent. Oh. Haley, in my head, 2028 is like so far away, but really it's only five years away. And so this is really exciting that, you know, we're going to have people to track over the next five years to be making it to LA 2028, hopefully, right? Oh, I'm so excited. You know, I'm so excited about, you know, 2028 Olympics being in the United States. I I've never been to the Olympics. Have you ever been to the Olympics? Never. No. And I, I feel like I have to go in 2028. Yeah, I know I am. I, I like have already made reservations on my friend's couch. I am, she's not allowed to move between now and then. Um, otherwise I don't know what I'll do. I guess we could like, you know, find someone with a van and do van life or something. I don't know, figure it out because I want to be there, but it is cool to see these NCAA triathlon teams really shaping that future right in front of us. So huge. Thank you to the Hampton university coaches to Jordan for joining us, for telling us more about their program. I'm also just psyched. Like we don't have to wait for the Olympics. Like once you know, now that NCAA triathlon is as it is, we have that championship race every year and it's just going to get bigger and it becomes a fully fledged sport. And then we get to like, go crazy, have our best teams. We play tailgate. I mean, there's so much we can do. Oh yeah. The tailgate, we triathlon, tailgate? that's when we know we've like, the sport has made it. I feel like <laughs> you and I are going to do that. We'll take our adventure <laughs> van to there too. Right on our way to LA. I mean, I don't know if it'll still be in Arizona, but it's going to be somewhere nice. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, it's like, you can't have a triathlon in a bad spot. So I feel like triathlon tailgating it's coming. True. So true. Um, all right, Haley. Well, reminder to everyone, you can send in mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Haley, I think that's all we have for the week. Enjoy your training and I'll talk to you next week. Bye, Alyssa. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.